This podcast is brought to you by Steed Motor Group, Clare Galway. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, find out more at steedmotorgroup.ie. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by former Galway herder, John Hanbury. Uh, we're going to have a look back at uh, John's career at Galway, talk about his club Rahoon, and generally chat all things uh, Galway hurling. John, for people who aren't aware, you're in Amsterdam at the minute. How was life in Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah, it's all good. No, thanks for having me on, Paul. Yeah, um, yeah life in Amsterdam is all good. It's a little cold at the moment, but uh, it, beats, it beats the rain in Galway a lot of times, so uh, I don't really have too many complaints. Is the lifestyle very different over there compared to home? Uh, I think... Uh, I don't think a huge amount, no, to be honest. Especially like living in Amsterdam would be very similar to living in Dublin, even climate wise as well. Um, you know, when you're just living in a big city, you're you're usually living in the suburbs or maybe the inner city, and you know, you get all the benefits of living in, in an area like that. You know, there's always something on or there's something to do and a lot of sports as well, like you know, around the place. So um culture wise, yeah, it's a, it's look, it's a European country, it's a different culture, but at the same time, you know, we have Paddy's Day, they have King's Day. You know, Paddy's Day, everyone wears green and has a few drinks. And in the Netherlands, you wear orange and have a few drinks. So uh, it's it's uh, it's similar, I would say, to be honest, though. What attracted you to move to Amsterdam? Um, to be honest, it was... The, it, Amsterdam wasn't really like we picked the place and we go. It was kind of like myself and my partner at the time were looking to move abroad. And there was a list of, of sort of places... Um, that we we liked and and to be honest i think we we whittled it down to the ones that we could you know both set up our our careers and so i i worked in i work in it so it's it's a little bit easier you can kind of pick pick your favorite spot or, or try to and um at the time i think it was during covid i want to say that um i think we had planned to go covid happened all of a sudden so we spent a year in Ireland and then I think over that year you were just trying to see like what what availabilities are out there and when could you go, right? Because for the first nine months of COVID, everyone thought the world was ending and you'd never you'd never be able to travel again or whatever. So once that ended, it was just like it, you know, we were looking for a place and and the company in Amsterdam reached out basically when we were uh, looking for a job and that things went from there. So that I said it was kind of more a, a happenstance or like just the how it how it went. From the sounds of it, you uh, seem to be really enjoying it there uh, in Amsterdam at the minute. But do you see yourself there for the next while? Yeah, it's it's uh, you're right. It is quite enjoyable to live in the in the place and and sort of um, yeah. I think it's it's a lot quieter than like the stereotype of of Amsterdam. I don't think it's like a crazy city, but to be honest, that's like the Temple Bar part of the town that nobody really wants to go near. And then outside of it is very much a bit like Galway, a bit like Dublin, where it's quieter. Um, and you know, when you talk to Irish people who live here, like they really enjoy it. You can get the best of both worlds. You can have your nightlife and go out and have fun, or you can, you know, do your own thing and 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 relax, you know. But in terms of setting up long term, I don't know. It's it's a bit like Dublin as well, like where real estate and lit price or cost of living is just obscene. So um, we're not trying to. I don't think we'll be settling down here, but I don't know. I don't know what our plans would be. We're kind of just taking it year by year and and enjoying it and seeing how it goes. You're giving the Ryan Newcastle fans some hope, so. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Ryan boys are going well now, I must say. So the 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 brother is still playing back at home, and he's always he's asking once or twice, you know. And uh, I think to be honest with you, like there's a few of the Ryan guys who've emigrated, but you know when, when the reason is work, you know it's it's just a happenstance. It happens to every club, and uh, you know we've a lot of young guys coming through who will hopefully make uh, make me obsolete in a year or two. And and just on that, have you been able to play hurling over in Amsterdam since you obviously left? Yeah, I, I it's a weird one. I we do have a very good hurling club here in Amsterdam. Like there's a good GA club. I think the strangest like sort of fact that I came across when I moved to Amsterdam is that there's you know uh, close to I think over a hundred clubs in Europe, GA clubs, which which kind of blew my mind. And you know the club in Amsterdam is is quite good. You know like there's a a big popula Irish population in the city. You've got, you know, um, historically, like, there's very good hurling in football. I think the hurlers have won the last two European champions two in a row, and the footballers, I think, are three in a row. Um, and, you know, so there's a good culture of people there, like, you know, in terms of, like, the club set up, you know. Um, it's it's quite similar to a club at home. It's just a lot of a younger populace than, like, you know, a normal club would be. So, um, 
in terms of that, it's 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 really nice. It, I, in terms of the hurling, I haven't had a lot to be honest. Um, haven't done a huge amount. I've gone to maybe one or two trainings this year. Um, a lot. Some of it due to injuries. Some of it due to just playing other sports and whatnot. But um, the thing I like here is that the hurling, you just go out and you just have a puck around or you do a session, and it's not like very serious. You know, it's people who just want to play it just to puck a ball around or to, you know, have a training session just to keep keep in shape or something. It's not a we're trying to go out and, and win all these European medals, you know, or something like that. It's much more of a social social aspect to it. Is that something you enjoy the social aspect or do you still I think like... it's, Yeah, I think it's just a massive change of pace when you play yeah. inter-county, right? Like inter-county is like being in an army group or something. I don't know how to describe it, you know? You're in a bubble, you train, and you get very, very close to the people you train with because you're seeing them, you know, close to five times a week. And I think... Uh, you know, you, your enjoyment is from hanging out with those lads and training and going through all the training and the running and the, you know, the year, the matches, the wins, the losses. And then in Amsterdam, it's much more like, um, you know, you, you just go and, and a lot of the times, you know, it could be new people. The first thing, you know, they move to Amsterdam. Probably one of the first things they're going to do is try and contact the GA club and get set up. So that's that's a nice aspect to it of where I think that's a big kudos. to, to And it's not just Amsterdam, right? It's most European GA clubs have this mechanism where like they're very very helpful to those people who, who move to the city you know if somebody's looking for a place to stay especially in places like you know I think Paris Amsterdam where it's like a bit like Dublin where it's a bit hectic to get any sort of accommodation it's um it serves a different purpose you know what I mean it's it's much more of a helping people getting them set up and if you want to play great you know um Oh, it's always good to have numbers down to training but a lot of the times just to keep people and it's uh, again as I said much more of a social goal then trying to go out and win matches or anything like that you mentioned there you're able to keep in touch uh when you were just saying off air that you're still able to watch a lot of the ga stuff but is there stages where you still miss home oh yeah like <clears throat> there's stages where you miss there's stages where you miss playing there's stages where you miss playing not just you know club or the county or just even poking around like going home for christmas it's nice to go home and see everyone and for me, it's like you get you go back and you see even how Galway's changing or or the local parish has changed or something like that, you know. And um in terms of watching it though, I, outside of watching Galway and watching Round or watching Michaels, I wouldn't really watch a lot of GA. I I've noticed a lot of people who live abroad kind of do the same. They just watch their own your team, right? Like in the same way I don't you don't go and watch a lot of Premier League, you know, if you're living in the Netherlands, you know, if you're an Ajax fan living in Amsterdam, you're just watching Ajax or maybe some of the Dutch League. Um so yeah. I, in terms of that, I just find like it's nice to go home. Do you know what I mean? It's more like uh, you enjoy going home as much as missing it. Um, I don't know, not 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 a not a huge amount, you know. But at the same time, I wouldn't say that I'm finished playing hurling or anything. Um, you know, I'd still love to go back and and, and continue playing with Rahun and Michaels, you know, and the football and hurling. So, was it 2019? Was that your last year with Goa? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think it was. I ended it on a red card, so that was the right way to go out as a cornerback, you know, just get sent off for your last action and into go to Ireland. So, um, yeah, 2019 was my last year, and then um, I think I started in 14, so I think it was, you know, five or six years, I want to say. Uh, the the years, I, I feel, I don't know how the, the older guys do it, like, but yeah, the the years merge together, so I don't know how long I played for or whatever, I just know the, the end date and the start date, I think. Do you have any regrets of leaving in 19 is have you ever thought like that you would have loved to give another year or two after that or was it just that year you felt like you were just done with it um i, I don't have any regrets with with, with 19 um i think it's more you know and in, in, let's say the start of 20 is when i sort of pulled pulled out of the of the setup and and had plans to go abroad so it wasn't just i was like you know, stepping away to do, you know, there was sort of a plan there to move abroad and whatever, and, and COVID, COVID happened. So, but in terms of 19, I think, you know, the thing, I, I don't really have any regrets in terms of, you know, pulling out because I think the worst thing you can probably do is go into a county setup and not be 100%. That's probably the most counterproductive thing you can do. And probably my only regret in 19 is that, like, you know, there was a fear in my own mind, like if 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 I'm looking at, you know, trying to go abroad or something at the end of the year, am I really giving it 100 percent? You know, because what you I think what you find out when you play in the county is that 99 percent isn't enough 
And when you're successful, then it's usually because everyone gave a hundred. And it's you hear every you hear every sort of like winning team. You know, they, every player says it. You know, it's like when you get one to thirty-five, one hundred percent committed. It just takes care of itself almost. Um, and for me, I think that was the big thing. It's like nineteen. I was like, God, you know, am I? Or at the end of nineteen, I was going, Am I? Am I able to give a hundred percent? And if I'm not. I'm just taking someone else's jersey. I'm taking someone else's opportunity. And it wasn't as if there's like, there wasn't an abundance of good young players coming and, and a lot of players, you know, still playing. So the, 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 it was a pretty, I want to say it's an easy decision because you, you you know, you build up a lot of relationships with the lads that are playing and, and you enjoy that. But if you're only in it for the enjoyment and the crack, you know, it gets, a, I don't think that's the right way to go into it. You kind of have to go into it with like, you're going to put in a lot of sacrifices and a lot of hours uh, and time and work and effort to win so like yeah you just need to I think you just have to make that commitment and if you can't make it you shouldn't you shouldn't be part of it Did you think leaving in 19 did you board her for go again? Uh, no probably not to be honest it, it was as if I was like as I kind of tried to like quietly exit stage left you know I was trying to do trying to just just jump get out go and and because there was other things i suppose in my own my own head there was things with my career that you set you willingly sacrifice to try and win not ireland and do all these things and you know the opportunities were coming uh, all the time for those you know with work and whatnot so um for me it was much more a thing of like okay i've kind of closed the chapter because intercounty you know you really have to work every year year in year out to keep your jersey never mind to play well just to keep your jersey because you have so many young players that are figuring it out younger and younger. What needs to be done, the effort needs to be done, the skill level, you know. So um, I think it requires a lot of commitment. And for me, there was just a lot of things outside of Ireland that I wanted to do while I was still young, you know. So that was sort of the motivation for it. Um, yeah. Do you think you'll ever get back and play with goal again? No, I, no, I, I don't think so. I think there's... Two, there's, there's uh, there's a lot. I think there's so many young players coming, and so many young and so many really good players there at the moment. Uh, I, if they're calling me, we're in serious trouble. Is what I would say. You know, so um, I haven't gotten any calls, but that's a good sign. So I'll leave it to you know. To, I think even when I was there, like you know, the likes of Jack Grealish was with us in seventeen. Just around my position, you know, there were so many good young players coming up. Um, young Marcy was actually a minor captain that year and was coming along, and you could see them coming. So it was a matter of like. Yeah, I think they're going to take it another level. And you can see it every year. There's one or two young players that have had a lot of success that are just coming through. And they're st- you see, especially in the backs, right? It takes a little bit. I think For me personally, I think it takes a little bit longer for backs to figure out intercounty because you're marking forwards that, you know, have been playing for years, have all the tricks of the trade, you know, and, and can really just, you know, make you look silly in one game when you're like 19. And sometimes the potential of like... uh you know, at intercounty, it's like, oh, that that player is no good, and it's like he's a nineteen-year-old going up against you know a fantastic, let's say, corner forward or something. You got to learn the lessons, you know. And um, I think there's a lot of value in that as a back learning, you know, the tricks of that forwards have or the movements. You know, that's that's not easy learning a year when you're not even twenty years old. So uh, for me, I was like, yeah, they're, these guys are going to be brilliant in a couple of years, and I think, I think, uh, I think they they proved themselves right there. Do you find it difficult at all after 19 watching Goa? I do, but it's a weird thing. It's like a stress. I now I now get what the parents felt. You know what I mean? Like I get stressed. I don't like watching it too much. But um yeah, it's 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 I you're back to being a fan, right? And that's kind of a nice thing that I think is part of it too, right? I just enjoy watching the games, but then I get, you know, stressed out, you know, obviously a few of the games last year are just like on a knife edge. So I think when strangely enough, when you're probably playing the game, you don't feel any of that pressure because you 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 have control over the situation. You know, you can you can impact the game in some form. And as a as a parent, as a fan or a friend or whatever, you're a little bit helpless watching it. So that was a new kind of a new experience to jump back into again. And and then knowing the guys that are playing and knowing how much work they put in just adds an extra layer of like, oh geez, I hope he I hope he plays well. I hope that guy plays well. He deserves it. He really worked hard. You know, that adds another layer of the thing. So I tend to not enjoy them actually, to be honest, a lot of the time. But um I try and get I try and get them in. 
Is it the first year? That's what players always say. They find it the strangest feeling watching a team after they've kind of left or retired. Yeah, I, I don't know. I see. I haven't. The thing is, like, I, I I haven't really spoken to too many other players in the same situation. I think it's just kind of like some some players like in their last years. Sometimes you know, I wouldn't say I was lucky, but I I went out you know, on my own terms. So I, I kind of had a lot of time to think about what I was, you know, it's much more like, you know, when players retire, they have a lot of, you hear a lot of players when they retire talk about, they take a lot of time, you know, it's not a quick decision. And in that case, I suppose it's a little bit more time to process it in a way. And then if you look at players that like, for example, let's say just get, get dropped off a panel mid-year or something, that's a totally different experience. You know what I mean? That's, you know, a, a different view and experience, I would say. So for me, it's, 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 a little weird, but at the same time, not more so. It's you're 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 figuring out again how to be a fan or a supporter. You know what I mean. You're going back to watching, and and you, you know now as a player what goes on that day. Like they have to get up at that time. They probably got the bus at this time. They probably had their pre-match meal. The nerves start kicking in after the meal. They'll go get changed. They'll do the warm, and then you go back to being a fan. You just see the match again. You know what I mean. You just catch from the start of the warm up, and then the match starts. So, um. It's different, but I, I wouldn't say it's any sort of like bad experience or anything. It's just going back, you're transitioning back to be a supporter again. Overall, are, are you content yourself uh, with your time with Goa? Oh, you massively so. Yeah. I mean, you know, how uh, we, you were, I was part of a very successful team, you know, so to be part of that and to be, you know, we won a lot of games, you know, and, uh, got, I think it was, a few years ago, one of the management group kind of got everyone together and, and started talking about your your caps, which is something that I don't think a single player thinks about. And they started saying, you know, certain players had X amount of caps more than, say, some person from the 80s. And you start to put that into perspective, you know, it's very hard to be to be regretful of your career when you're able to, I think, you know, to be able to play over 40 games for Galway, win not Ireland, you know, a couple, I think two Leinsters. There's not really a lot to be um, too upset about. I think, you know, uh, for me, it was. I look back all the time, and it's it's very enjoyable to look back at it. Just even the games, or or you know, you you meet some of the lads, you bump into them, and you chat about the old stories. Those are the things you take away more so than any sort of medal or anything. It's like there's a lot of stories and a lot of a lot of good memories from it, to be honest. So from my perspective, it's very hard not to be content. You know what I mean? Uh, there's always those niggle things like you miss the ball in a game or something silly. But it, when you look at it in the broader perspective, like it's a I'd be I'd be very content, yeah. Would you still keep in touch with a lot of your ex teammates? Yeah, but at the same time, going back to what we we're saying, like they they are in a bubble as well. You know what I mean? So if if you meet them or you know living in the Netherlands, you're not going to bump into them to be honest. But like you know, if you meet them in in Goa or whatever you said, you have a chat. You know, it's the normal sort of interaction. You keep in touch with a few of them. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of players who are outside the panel don't want to really get in their way you know what I mean like they're, they're those guys are, are aiming for an All-Ireland every year Um, so uh, for me it's like if you get to see them great you text with a few guys and, and it's grand you know but at the end of the day you're almost feeling guilty you don't want to send in a, a text around them they have a match and piss them off or something you know you just want to leave them be and as I said you're in a different world when you're an inter-county panel so it's uh, yeah the, the bubble analogy is probably the best example to give 2017 was such a special year um, and it's what a lot of people in Galway are hoping that we can see again sometime soon and such a special time as a Galway supporter but just to kind of take it back to that uh, year for, for the next few minutes just describe like what was that feeling like in 17 because obviously you came close in 15 but then just Kilkenny came out in the second half you were close in 16 in the All-Ireland semi-final against Tip but just to finally get over the line in 17, what was that feeling like for you? I think it was like, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Like it, it I think the, the, the events of 17, like when you look at the year, we just had, we just were a very dominant team for the year, you know, like, and, and it's, it's a weird one, right? As a player, it was very much like a methodical process. You know what I mean? It was more like you play a game, you win the game, you move to the next game. Um, and then you win the final game and, and the atmosphere after that game is something that you just you just have a ton of memories from, you know. That's that's the one thing I take away from it. Um and and to be honest, uh I think every intercounty player nowadays, when you get to that semi-final final level, 
just cocoons themselves. It's probably the best preparation you can do, right? Is to just eject yourself from any sort of excitement, enthusiasm, whatever, and just hide. And then after that match, you're thrown right back into, you know, pretty crazy celebrations. I think if you ask, if you ask the Limerick lads about 2018 or Sales at 17, any team that's won after a long time, you're meeting people that are just like hyper excited in their in their 50s and 60s because they've waited 27 years. Like, you know, a lot of us weren't born last time we won. So for us, it's not, it doesn't hit the same. And then you talk to people and then you start hearing about, you know, stories. You talk to your parents, you talk to, you know, members of your club or whatever. And, and you're almost kind of like, is everyone's really excited about this, you know? And then it, it it slowly kicks in over the weeks and stuff. I think for me, it was we were driving back into Galway and then seeing people like not hanging off the side, but like on the side of the motorway outside Bally Brit. I was like, people are parking there and walking or like hitching into Salt Hill. I was like, okay, now this is ridiculous. That was the first moment for me when I said, all right, it's, it's, it's getting a little crazy, you know? Um, but it, from a player's perspective, the year was pretty much the same as the as the others in the sense that, you know, the process didn't change. It wasn't as like 15, you know, 16 with Michal was probably the same as 17. The only difference was we we won the two games or we won two more games, you know. Um, not a lot changed, really, to be honest, behind the scenes. It was the same process, the same, the same training, I think, as far as I remember, you know. So it was, he instilled it from day one and then he, I think he just knew it would, it would come come to fruition given the time what did he instill um I, th- I think he just knows how to set up a backroom team i think he's he's a great motivator he's a, it's, a, it's a level-headed calming effect in the team with me you know like and then he's very good at finding out okay who are the best people that can help me i don't think he has no ego when it comes to wanting to be the best trainer you know he'll he'll try and find the best people because to, to make sure that the players have all the best facilities the resources and then from then on it's it's he's a very high knowledge of the game his select his his selectors have a very high knowledge of the game he's a good balance of opinions in there so there's a lot of things that go into management that that i think a lot of people don't realize when it seems like his his player management his man management i thought was very good um so those kind of things add up and i think it's important like you see the davy fitz effect when he goes into a team because he brings a lot of those things and and then they buy in so quick, right? And they get such success in that first year. That's a lot of it too, right? Like building the trust with a team because you're a new manager. With every new manager, you know, some, I'd say some players are thinking, God, am I, you know, especially when you get into that older stage, am I going to be, is it going to be a culling of a team? Is it going to be all bringing all the young lads? So the quicker you win over a team and, and kind of instill a bit of belief, I think the better. And that's kind of what Michal did. Like in his first year in 16, we're, you know, a point or two away from getting to an All-Ireland against Kilkenny. The second year we obviously win and the third year we're in the final again. Like so, you know, to make two All Irelands in three years, in your first three years, and win one is is pretty impressive. And um I think he's heading into his second year with Dublin now. So that'll be interesting to see what Dublin do this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they're pretty good. So that's usually when things start to kick off for 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 his teams. When when did you when did you and the group kind of know that there was something building here with me all at first? Uh, it's it's tricky to say because it's it's more just again you don't think about is it building or not well at least I, I can't speak for everyone but you know for me it was just the processes were good right the training was good um the plans were detailed like there was you know th- there was a there was a lot of thought put in by that management team not just from a training perspective but everything you know match prep strategies like the team he had was was exceptional you know um so I think on that point, it probably was then immediate because you just thought, wow, this is a great setup. Uh, and to be honest, like when you make an All-Ireland 15, you didn't really need a lot of belief. You know, like if if things, you know, it was a lot of the same players, a lot of the same setup. Um, and so to be honest, you didn't need a lot of belief. You know, you kind of felt, all right, we we should be contending. I don't think any team goes in and say we should win it. Like they say, we should be in the mix. We should be contending if we get ourselves in, in order and get our setup right. And I think when you get a manager like me, I'll come in, adds a lot of structure to the to the setup. That just adds to that sort of, as you say, the belief. So um, I, I'd probably say then immediately then, you know. With that, you mentioned the All-Ale victory uh, over Watford in 2017. 
Is that the most thing you're content with? Because obviously there was such a famine there. You see the dominance of Limerick now. Is that the most you're content that you finished with an all Ireland medal? Uh, yes and no. Uh, to be honest, probably in retrospective, at the time, yes. To be honest, it was it was the big, it was the thing I I think I want. You know, it's I I think if you ask every player, it's the thing they want to win, right? Like same with at club level, you want to win a county senior title. It's the same thing with the All Ireland hurling. So, um. Yeah, it, it was, but I think you know, the further you get away from it, to be honest, it's not as much anymore. The thing that adds content is more that like enjoyed my time, a lot of memories made. You know, uh, they're they're more like I don't know where that me the medal is somewhere in my house. I don't know where it is. It has no value. I think to be honest, you know, uh, it's more the the stories, the memories, and stuff that you you keep hold of. And I hear that when you hear, when you talk to the guys from the eighties, the same thing. Like I don't think. They care too much about the pieces of metal in a cupboard somewhere. It's more the the fun they had, like the stories, the journey of it is much more, I would say, rewarding than than just saying I have a medal, good, move on. It's much, it's much more like it a, that's the hardest part about leaving it too, right? Is you leave that sort of environment, you know, that becomes your your daily your your daily interaction with people. So, yeah. From being away from it now, and even. I know we've all seen this uh, club charter that was released. Um, yeah, it made its way to Amsterdam as well, yeah. <laughs> but is inter-county, when you're out of the bubble now, is it gone too serious, do you feel? Um, I think compared to other sports, yes. Given that those the other sports that I see here in the Netherlands are, are paid sport, are professional sports, let's say. I think in terms of seriousness, you can't stop competitive people from training. You know what I mean? Like that's the part that I think everyone forgets. I think, you know, the 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 big leaders on all these successful teams are just highly competitive people. And there's a type of people that probably think if we're not training, they're training, you know, and that that idea is very hard to stop if you're the GEA or if you're, you know, trying to regulate things. So I I think when I started, for example, when I started, I think it was four, 2014, the difference between then and 19 was massive. And that's only a five-year span. What was the what was the biggest difference there? I think it's just the, the the advancements. It's not it's not a thing where like one management team comes in and, and does something, but it's like the advancements in sports, um, what would you call it? Sports science, maybe yeah. like both from a dietary perspective, you know, um, to the way the philosophies on weights, and it, it trends usually a few years behind the rugby, you know what I mean? Like where the rugby has a very similar trend line of like they got really big then they figured out being too big isn't a problem and they slim down and they get a little bit leaner and faster and and hurling and football kind of have taken the same path right like i remember back in like 2014 15 everyone was in especially in football was a lot bigger you know and now you see that you have to that size probably didn't trend too well and some teams ran around you or whatever so um for me that was the part and then the commitment, to be honest, had, probably didn't change a huge amount because maybe maybe a little, but I wouldn't say a lot because I think as well, people are starting to find out if overtraining was a big problem for a lot of teams, that you peak too early or you you know, you know, you probably, you know, did a bit too much at a certain time of the year that really upset your 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 physical performance. Um, so for me, it's mainly just the preparation and stuff that's gone through the roof, right? And if the physical levels keep improving, you need to match those physical levels to an intercounty player that requires more time. You're still not professional, so you have a full-time job to work at and then do these things. And I think that's the part that seems to be running away a little bit, but who knows? Let's see how the next few years go. But yeah, that, that would be the one that, if going back to your question, is like that's the trend line that's kind of exponentially gone up over the years. Yeah, it's a good point you make because with competitive uh, sports people, they're just not going to sit down. That's just uh, yeah. their their attitudes. But just with your time in Galway, when you're playing cornerback in 2015, Shane Maloney gets the winner. 2017, uh, I was actually had Kieran Murphy on the podcast last night and he talked his favourite moment. He said he was sitting very close to where Joe hits that famous winner against Tipperary. What's your reaction like when you're cornerback in, in those two moments? Um, I think with Maloney, I had I had like torn or cramped my calf, 
So I was on the sideline and the physios were just trying to like loosen it out. So I didn't get to enjoy that moment. I was uh I was feeling sorry for myself on the sideline and Shane had just put put over probably the at that time one of the most famous points for Galway. Um so that one was in, enjoyable, but at the same time, I wish I, I didn't have, you know, terrible calf muscles that just wouldn't, you know, uh, stand up to Crow Park. And then for, for Joe's one, I, I, it was a weird one because I was kind of half behind him. Uh, he had taken a free, and I think I was on uh, bubble, so Dwyer, and he was kind of standing beside where Joe had struck the ball. So I didn't really have a good view of it, but like, um, I think the second Johnny Cohen turned is when I kind of knew, ah, this is going over. Like, you know, that kind of, you have that moment of, uh, there's a moment where you think he's going to shoot and he just does the right thing. He spins around and gives it, gives a pass to Joe. And like th- that moment, you, I, I think everyone does this right as a fan or a player, you kind of see the crowd that is directly behind the ball go. That's everyone's indicator for like, it's gone over or not. So it's like everyone else. Right. But in that moment, then, you know, there's probably another puck out to come. And I think it, the way it broke down, like I think a lot of people don't remember, like Bubbles O'Dwyer had a chance to win that game or to draw that game. And the ball came, I think, between myself, himself, Dotty, and Jamie Callan. And just the way it breaks, I think Dotty even gets to gets to O'Dwyer first and, and kind of puts him off. And and to be honest, it's a crazy shot, but to be fair, he's one of those players that can make them. So there probably wasn't a lot of cheering in that moment because you still have to mark your man and, and chase after him. Um so there wasn't a lot of time to save at that point, and it was more afterwards. And even afterwards, going back to the idea, that like from my point of view, I was still going like we still have won nothing. You know what I mean? I don't think there was a huge amount of jumping around by players after that match. If uh, if I haven't looked back at the footage around them, but like I don't think players were like delighted we won another semi because we had just won, we had lost it the year before, and we had won one two years ago against the same team. And I think both sides probably knew like there's no point winning if, if you win this and lose the final. What, what good was the point, you know? So there's a lot of that too, I think, after you you kind of get past the stage, you don't really celebrate it the same. I mean, that's why you see 15 was a different, that was a real big win for everyone in Galway, while 17 was more, we've been here before and we lost the final, we don't want to have it happen again. I think there's a, there's a slight difference in the atmosphere maybe, but still enjoyable to watch. Them games with Tipperary, when you look back on it now, did you yeah. just know at that time that, like the week of the game, we're going to be in for a thriller here. Uh, I think you knew that both teams were going to play 15 on 15. That's the, the probably the truth of it. There's certain teams that you know you're going to play a sweeper, and yeah, it's not going to be enjoyable to watch. Um, and then there's some teams that you know, it's kind of like you know, you know, both teams are just going to say, right, everyone's going to mark someone, or we're going to do our thing, but we're not going to be overly defensive, we're going to go out and go for it. And, and they're the games that everyone enjoys, you know. So as a player, they're also the most enjoyable games. Even if you're, unfortunately, a cornerback marking a very good corner forward, you'd rather still play, the, you know, 15 on 15, mark your man. If he gets the better, he gets the better you, you know. So, sorry. Here um, so they're, they're sort of the things that, like, I would say even as a player, I enjoyed more. As much as it's, it's always nice to have, you know, Aiden Hart in front of you cleaning up any ball, it's still a better test of your ability to mark someone in a game 15 on 15 and win a really entertaining game than play uh, those sweeper teams that just were very negative, in my opinion. But um, yeah, so those tip games are always fun because you knew going in, these guys are, and same with the likes of Kenny and those, they're going to give you their all, you know? Um, and it's going to be a very open game of hurling and a very probably entertaining game of hurling. So they were sort of the things going in. Now, as a player, you don't go, I, I really hope this is entertaining. You go, I, we want to win this game. So um, there was a bit of nerves with them, but at least you knew it was going to be fun to play in. Was cornerback your favourite position? Uh, I'm not sure. It, it's 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 not it's not a position I hate, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think every back nowadays plays every position. Like in 17, a lot of the times when we played all those sweeper teams, I ended up wing back. Um you know, uh, so to be honest, like bar maybe fullback and six. I think the other four positions, the other four positions are very, very. I won't say similar, but like they have a very much of a like a simpler role. You know, um, I think there's more responsibility with being a three or a six, and um, for me, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's 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 very much a cutthroat position. I think anywhere in the fullback line is, I think fullback probably the most so. You one mistake, like if you're a corner forward, you miss a ball. It's you know, 
it still it still requires the entire play to develop down the field to get a score versus if you're a fullback and you run over a ball, there's a good, good chance it's going to be a goal and maybe a critical goal. So um or a critical score. So there's a lot more of like a you don't have to do all the crazy running that midfielders have to do. So that's a positive to it. But for me it was um it was enjoyable, but there's there's stress to it with but any position, right? So um I, I probably wouldn't say it was my favorite, but there was definitely no uh ill will towards it. Funny there when you talk um that the memories kind of mean more to you now when you look back at it than what you actually won um during your career. But there was an off the ball roadshow uh last summer and obviously a few <laughs> clips came out from James Gale about it. We got to see hear a few stories uh about the goal hurlers, but is that the kind of thing when you look back at it now, the funny stories, the bonding sessions is is that the thing where you look back and just think of the crack you had as a panel? Yeah, it's 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 it is that, yes. There's a bit of that and there's also a bit of like when you're meeting, it's not just like the players, like there's a there's a whole team of people that you get to know. Like, for example, uh Tex Callum was was one of the you know being around people like that, like they're fun, fun people to be around, you know. So you're going to train every day, you're seeing the same five or six faces, and you you just develop a, a friendship with everyone, you know. So I think it's it's yes, all of those fun stories that happen when you're you know in the good in the good times and when you're having a bit of fun or whatever but it's also the little things of like you know uh, getting lifts you know when you were younger as a college student or whatever getting lifts with people and and, and chatting in the car or whatever it's, it's, it's it could be a range of things so um yeah i think the memories are the biggest parts but like it's not just the big ones of like winning that ireland or the or the afters of that ireland it could be as simple as the car rides to train and you know, training sessions themselves, you know, like things like that are, and a lot of the times now intercounty teams will have their pre-match meals with a caterer and all this, you know, so there's a lot of time you're spending together, you know, throughout a, throughout a day, three to five times a week. So it's it's all of those things combined, really. What's one story that stands out from your intercounty career? Oh my God. Um, I don't really have any like good good ones let's say like but like there's a few there's a few like uh just funny moments over the years i don't i can't really to be honest pinpoint one if i think about it um no to be honest I, I, off the top of my head i couldn't i couldn't pick one like there's been some funny moments like where you know uh you, you meet you, you like the characters you meet is is something I think that's underrated like you know like for us i i remember at under 21 for example being around people like, you know, Dinny Cahill and Tony Heady were hilarious. You know, they were just every every day was so funny, you know, at training. Um, and and they just make you laugh. And like you don't remember the jokes, you just remember laughing, you know, because it was just they made training fun. You know, we'd be out there, I remember we we used to do running in like um for the under 21s, and we were is in the middle of a heat wave in Athen Rye or something. And I remember like we were running around the pitch and we were doing these like very like, and I mean like around trace on the pitch, like long, I don't know what they were, five kilometers or whatever we were doing. And I remember just it being like, you know, it was around nine or 10 in the morning and it was up and nearly up in the mid twenties, way too warm for the for Ireland anyways. And we we're going around that pitch. And I remember the caterers had started to come in for the breakfast after training and Katie brought down sausages like to, to say to everyone to keep going, you know, like keep going by sausages are lovely. Like, and I remember just lads <laughs> being I mean, on the point of heat stroke running around this pitch, and the last thing you wanted was a fry afterwards. You just wanted a bottle of water and a cold bath. And that that was always something that stuck in my mind. And he was just he was just the best crack to be around as a as a as a man as a selector with Johnny Kelly at the time and Dinny as a trainer. Like it, the trainers were great, but it was just like so many characters around. You were just you were just always laughing when I was training. Is it them? It's the, it's it's probably nearly them kind of hard sessions you, you get through as well. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of them, you know, especially nowadays, I'd say there's a lot more of them too. But um, I think around this time of year now, I don't miss yeah. being an intercounty hurler, you know. Um, it's th This time of year is kind of where you put in those hard, you know, those hours. And, and that's where things get a little, you get that confidence going into the year. But when you're probably some of the more tenured guys doing that nine, ten more years in a row, probably gets a little tiring, I can assume so. Um, there's probably some sore bodies right now coming out of Clare Galway or, or Athenry or somewhere I don't know where to do it now these days but 
I don't miss it that much. Yeah, I don't think any uh, player really seems <laughs> no, no. to miss yeah. this time of year. How special was Joe to play with? He was he, he was pretty special. If uh, surprisingly, would you believe? Yeah, no, he was <laughs> like. Uh, it, I there was a there was a few more you know that were pretty close to him, but just like they, I think the thing with Joe was he was just very. His vision was probably, in my opinion, playing with him over the years. His vision was incredible. And sometimes he'd be marking him. And he'll get a ball and he'll just like zip it over, like over the shoulder. And he'd known very much like you see the soccer players now where they're kind of, they're looking before the play. He was very good at, at, at stuff like that, that, you know, there's, there's so many clips of him making passes. Like I remember one to jail against Dublin and he's like over in the corner and he just zips a ball head height. And it was the same height zipped into Gio's hand. And I think the, it just went over the bar, but passes like that, he just did all the time in training and stuff. And, and, to be honest, the only thing about him was like that, you know, him and a lot of other, like a lot of the great players you see now for Galway, like the Dahis, Pork Mannion, David Burke, yeah, Cahill, all of them, Wheelow, like their work ethic was brilliant. You know what I mean? Like you never really had to sit, you never really looked at them and you were going like, they're not giving it, the, like there was, it was a given that they were training hard and they were doing, they were like, it wasn't that like they didn't do anything and then at the weekend they did this incredible thing. They were doing it all the time. So you get very normalized to like, you know, playing beside Dahi as a fullback, and you just catch every ball. You get used to it. You know what I mean? Like, and then you you, you go away from it. You're like, oh yeah, that's kind of rare. You know, um, same same with all of them. Like they just were able to do things. Like the I think it was um years ago, the someone was asked the same question, like of like the most talented player, and everyone expects to say Joe, and then you say like Jason Flynn or Connor Cooney or Paul Mannion. Like they all had just like they'd all do things like ridiculous things that. Unfortunately, a cornerback is not able to do, you know, like uh, taking sidelines from a 65 on their knees and, you know, trying to put it over the bar, like crazy things, you know. So there was an abundance of talent on that team. So you kind of got normalized to like, oh, yeah, he just he just scored a ridiculous point. And if you were a fan, you'd be going nuts about it. And then as a player or a selector or a member of the group, you're saying, oh, he does it all the time, you know, and you just, it becomes a little normal, which is which is strange. All those players you mentioned are still driving the standards uh, with the Galway seniors, it's obviously no surprise to you at all. No, no, no. I mean, like, they're, I think, I think they're starting to, I think those players are very, like, you know, we grew up on names, you know, there were certain names, there was the Connor Hayes, Tony Keady, you know, Joe Cooney, the Conleys, you know, I think the lads are starting to enter, uh, they will, I say, when they're older, like, you know, when they're finished, you know, I think, Galway fans need to sort of like appreciate the players that that are there now, and and you know you look at the form they had last year, like they're they're playing at an unreal level, and mm-hmm. and sometimes I think it just gets a little bit taken for granted, you know, as like especially um in the bats, like you know Dahi and Park are are on this like you know they're playing at an incredible level for a long time, um and when you when you take into account the Mannions, you know didn't play a lot of underage. Like minor, I think, was the first year that they started playing for Galway. Um, and you look at what they've done for their careers, it's it's unreal. So, um, and I, I'm just naming, like, all of them. You know, all those lads that are still going out in 17 are just playing. And, and it's not easy to replicate year in, year out at that high level. So, yeah, I think as supporters, you need to just appreciate the level they're playing at, you know? Like, it's, it's pretty insane. Just on that, because I, I totally agree with you there. I don't think we're like appreciating this generation of Galway hurlers, as you mentioned. Um, but did you find the Galway hurling supporters during your time a very demanding set of supporters? Um, I think every set of supporters on every team has a set of very unreasonable fans. You know what I mean? I think if you if if you meet the genuine fans, I would say no. I would say no. If you if you wait after a, a Gala match for about fifteen minutes after all the kids got their hurl signed, you'll see genuine supporters coming out and like and and the players know who they are because they're the same faces at every game, and they say hello and you you, you get to know them. So they're the people I I sort of treat as like Gala supporters. So in that case, they're not very demanding. You know what I mean? Uh, but then you have you know, other fans that just love to give out about something. Um and and they're everywhere. So I I I don't think they're very demanding. Um 
if they are, I don't think players hear it, so maybe that's a good thing. Um, but to be honest, I think that's every county has that same problem. I think every county has those people that just, if you don't win it, you know, especially when you're at the higher end of it, you you know, they think everyone is terrible and get rid of them all and bring in the next prop or whatever. So I think we're lucky that there's a lot of really, really good Galway fans that are there first week in Pierce Stadium in the rain. You know, they're there, they're there at the last game of the season, no matter where it is. And and to me, they're the ones that are probably the the true, you know, diehards that go to everything. So I've never heard one of them go, oh, you should have won that game. You know what I mean? Or you should have done this or done that. They just go, I, I really loved that year or that game or that win or that that play or whatever. So. I, I just asked you that because obviously what went on after 15 with Anthony leaving, there was obviously a player's vote and some players voted to keep him, some players not. But there was obviously then kind of a backlash between some supporters. Some supporters felt he should have stayed on. When that's only your second year in the Galway panel and you're kind of still nearly relatively new at that stage, how was that experience? Uh, that, look, that whole experience is not enjoyable for anyone. You know what I mean? And and it's not like anyone goes in with ill intentions to it. And to be honest, what I what I like about it is that no one has really gone and, and, and done a, you know, uh, expose on the whole thing because... It wasn't enjoyable for anyone, and and those situations they're hap- they happen in sports all the time, um, you know, and and I think sometimes you know supporters and stuff would love to like you have to remember like those times of the years are very like there's not a lot to be to be writing about if you're the media, so like you know, I think when you're a player you realize how what goes on behind the scenes of like they're they've known about it the media have known about it for two weeks and they queue it up you know what i mean and when you hear that then you go ah look okay whatever this thing is going to be and then supporters only get their stuff in the media and it turns into a whole thing but uh you know i've seen anthony a couple of times since it's not like everyone hates each other or whatever you know it's just one of those things like you move on and, and you you keep going like we we played against anthony i think did in was it 18 when he was with dublin like what were fans expecting everyone to go fighting or something like you know we're we're human beings like you know it's like there was a you, what happened happened you know uh, everyone went on their separate ways and 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 made the most of it so i think i think sometimes people love to hype it up especially because i always get people ask me about that thing and I, I i don't understand the the intrigue about it but um you know i i still have like the trainers we had back then were were brilliant you know like pat malone was with us you know i'd have grown up here in his name all the time, you know, as a as an all, I think he was an all star midfielder, you know. So you have you with Eugene Clunan training us, like he was when we were growing up. That's who everyone want, was was pretending to be in the back garden. So it's not as if like there was this big, you know, um, never talk to each other again or whatever. It was it was a shitty situation, but it is what it is. And I don't think I think everyone has sort of moved on with it uh, in a way. It was obviously though a really difficult period when you're all kind of inside that? Because remember for a stage, there was still a kind of bit of uncertainty around it. Yeah, but I think as a, as a player, yeah, look, no, no young player is going to be like trained on like what to do in those situations, but no no one is. Like no one trains for those kind of things when you're dealing with, you know, uh, the county board and, and all those people get involved. But as a player, you're not really involved in it. I think from a first perspective, it's, it's just like, you know, you move on and, and you you're probably more thinking about the year and, and uh, who's like the training and what they're going to do in terms of like the impact it has on a young player. Uh, for me personally, there wasn't a huge amount. Uh, it's something that, yeah, it's not something that sort of keeps, keeps on the mind or even at the time, it was just like, that was something for the County board to, to, to figure out as well at the time. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's part of sports. I think at this stage. I'm sure there'll be a couple more over the coming years of the same thing and, and it'll it'll just the cycle will keep repeating, you know. When you talk there about your Galway career 14 to 19, um when you look at the Galway Hurling panel, it's predominantly made up by a lot of senior hurling clubs. There's obviously two or three then intermediate clubs that contribute as well to the uh senior panel. But coming from an intermediate club. Do you think it is a challenge to try and break your way onto uh the guy senior hurling panel? Um, I I'm not I'm. I think yes and no. I think like 
you know, nowadays intermediate has gotten a lot more competitive, I would say, just because of the fact that they've taken, they've limited, I think it's now, forgive me, I'm not 100% sure on how the senior is structured now with the A and B. But as far as I know, right, there was a, there's a lot more senior B teams down intermediate now. So like, it's a lot more competitive. I even back then in terms of making a county panel and stuff, I think to be honest, or like, you know, at a younger age, let's say you're an 18 or 19 year old after minor, you know, Playing intermediate, I wouldn't say as a detriment. You know, like the year we won, we had a lot of players playing intermediate in 2017. You know, you had Niall and Garage with um, Owen Moore. Um, you had myself. I think there's a few others. You know, it's hard yeah, to Connor remember all. Yeah. Connor, yeah, for sure. As I said, yeah. Having to mark him in intermediate is fantastic, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so, like, those kind of things, you know, I wouldn't say intermediate is a good or a bad thing. I think if you're playing well, Intercounty managers and setups will have people at every game, or will have a somebody watching every game. So if you're playing well, it'll crop up. You know, it'll it'll eventually get there. And I, I, looking back, I don't think there was ever like a hindrance to being. Now look, playing in better games, and you know, you could argue, right? If you're playing at Thomas's, you're going to learn a lot more. You know, but that's just because they're a very they're at the time, and even going back further for Tomna, it was a very high standard in Galway senior hurling. So there was benefits to playing senior hurling. But in terms of county panel selections, it, it probably depends more on when you get called in and how you play in there. That probably adds a little bit more weight to then playing with your club. Because I think club hurling and county hurling are different. You know what I mean? They're not the same. Like you can you can get away with certain things at club level that you that you can't at inter-county and vice versa. You know, like I think on the physical stakes, you, you probably need to be at the top of your game at inter-county while, you know, at club, you're going to deal with a lot more intelligent Hurlers, you know, like who, who are probably former county players now, you know, fit past their time, but they they've seen everything, you know, and they they're you know, and they're the maturity of those teams is probably going to catch it, you know, or something something along those lines. So yeah, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't go and say being at an intermediate club is a detriment if you wanted to try and make an intercounty panel. Do you miss playing Ryan? He obviously talked there. Uh, it's it's obviously just not feasible at the minute. Like you're in Amsterdam, and to get back over, it's it's just not feasible at the minute. But would there be hope to get back there at some stage? A hundred percent, yeah. Like I mean, for me, it's probably the one thing that I that I probably have left on the in the hurling. You know, I, I'd love to win a, an intermediate with Rahul. Um, obviously with Michaels, we had a chance, but then we ran into one of the best. Gaelic fo- our, uh, club football teams ever so that was never not going to be a, a re- like every club in uh, exactly yeah so um, yeah that was a good Sunday and um, yeah so like it, it's, it's something I want to do um, look it's 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 not the best that I'm in, in Amsterdam like it, we gave it a go the first year and I don't think it was the best thing um, in retrospect at the time I wanted to do it and thought you know with the shorter flight time from Amsterdam we could do it and you know, it just it just didn't work. Um, and it probably had more of a detriment to the team because, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for training. And this is the hard thing with intercounty players is that like you're you're probably missing a lot of training. In the same way you're in that bubble with the intercounty teams, then you're just thrown back into, you know, your club team and they haven't seen you a lot all year, especially in the modern day where it's very much now you're when you're in it, you have the sections of the year, as they say now, right? Like where you get thrown back in September or whenever you get knocked out of the championship into club. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, looking back, you had myself and Eamon around and we were constantly playing on inter-county panels at the same time. And coincidentally, I think in 2018 is a good example. Both of us met at, to, I think footballers lost to Dublin in the semi-final and then we lose to Limerick in the final and we finish up, you know, and I think Eamon's back a couple of weeks before me, but then we're straight into a club championship and yeah, it's, it's difficult to maintain. It's difficult to, to, because you have to, you go back to your team and you play a different, you could play a different, totally different style of hurling to what you've played all year. You could be in a different position. You could be, play, you're playing with different people. You have to know their tendencies or whatever. So um, it's not easy to do, but it's going back to it. Round is, is something I really want to get back playing again. But yeah, hopefully it won't be, it won't be too long. When you mentioned there, you're going from one style to the other. Are you just in total admiration of what the Galway players are doing for Thomas's at the minute? Yeah, because I, I I caught a, a bit of the Ballygunner match and, and uh, you know, 
that that is i think it's more the 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 amount of training they do over the year do you know what i mean like in a sense i think maybe they might have helped that they got a bit of a break but what um, uh, the all Ireland semi final was when i don't know what date it was was it august or or september um and to go into a club championship and and then to go into an all Ireland club championship it's got to be draining so that's that's where the all comes in is like uh, uh, they 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 love hurling and Thomas's because I don't know how you wouldn't be fatigued from hurling, right? Like you've just done an entire year in intercounty straight into a club championship, then straight into an All Ireland club championship, and that's I don't know is the final now Paddy's Day still or is it a different? I don't no, know. No, the the final is actually January twenty first against All Auckland Gales. Yeah. yeah, so like I mean, I don't know when the the. I don't know when a year a hurling year stops and when it starts anymore. I think it's just a continuous circle that you just keep have to jump in and jump out of, you know. So to me, that's the most impressive part is keeping their appetite for the game up over all that time. Especially for as you say, the guys have been playing, you know, um at Intercounty that year. Because for the club guys, it's not a lot easier, you know. Like you're kind of sitting in limbo for a lot of that year, not knowing what your team is going to look like because you're missing key players, you know. That's another part of it too that you know, it's impressive what the county guys are doing, but then the club guys need to, you know, have a team that trains every day and then they get their, you know, maybe, I don't know, is it five or six players now, maybe more from Thomas that are on the intercounty team? They all just get jumped back in after the year is done. It's almost like, you know, picking up a load of transfers in the January transfer market, right? Like, and you have to like, I know it's not the same, but like, you know, um, I'm sure it's not easy for the club guys either, you know? I think that's something that gets a little bit lost is the limbo that they're in, right? Like where they're going to start training in January, February, and they're not going to really puck a ball around, you know, until a meaningful game. I think it's what they played in April or March, then for a month, and then you're stopping and starting and all this kind of stuff. So I can sympathize with all the club guys out there. It's probably not easy. Yeah, particularly a lot of the clubs that feel they're a bit off from making it to the top. They they probably feel like they have to do more on this time of year. So it's just madness when you think of that but even your teammate David Burke he did his uh, crew sheet back in April and I had Kenneth Burke on the podcast in the lead up to the All-Ireland semi-final with Ballygunner and he said David said to him I'm going to be back for the county final and Kenneth was like Just take your time like and yeah. David was back um, and then in the All-Ireland semi-final plays 80 minutes after a crew sheet injury yeah they're nuts out there you know um I, I yeah like uh, th- I have a bit more of an appreciation. I I tore my MCL in July and I got back for the end of October. I want to say, and that wasn't easy. And uh, yeah. anyone who's had a, an MCL is a lot easier to manage than an ACL, like an ACL injury. So it just blows your mind, doesn't it? Like you know, in terms of how fast he was able to turn around, like you know, um, yeah, I'd love to know what they're feeding them out in uh, Peter as well, you know. There's a lot of an anticipation at the minute for the Galway hurlers. The season's approaching, excitement uh, among supporters. A disappointment the last two years, but arguably came up against one of the greatest ever hurling sides in Limerick, uh, coming up short in both of those All Ireland semi finals. But where do you feel the hurlers are at now going into 2024 as it approaches? Yeah. I... I, I definitely am not speaking from a position of like in looking at them a lot. I, I watch the games, but um, as we get into the summer uh, when, when possible, but you can see that like, I think with Galway, they have a great, like the guys have a great chance. I think they're one of the people, if you, if you listen to all the pundits that can, that can knock Limerick off. I think they're, they match up well with Limerick. You know, I don't, I don't think Limerick, fear anyone because if I don't know how many they've won in a row and they're in that Kilkenny round now, you know, of, of dominance, but they're not, you know, Galway are really a team along with the likes of maybe a Tipperary and Crow Park or someone and the, the Kilkenny's who've done it that can really match them one-to-one and put it up to them on the day. Um, and I think, you know, the Shefflin and the guys now have done a good job of bringing in all those young players and to get to get minutes as a young player is going to be massive. I think the modern game requires now a bit of strength training, which then fans expect a young lad to just what put on ten kilos of muscle in a winter, which isn't isn't feasible at all. So, I think there's a little bit of with the with the young guys coming in. You're kind of hoping they just pick it up, but that's a very 
that's a lot to ask of a young player, you know. And especially as you said, when you're playing a team on the Limerick level that are just, you know, now they're versed at how to run through a championship season and win continuously. Like now it's a process for them. And it's not an easy process, but they're they're showing that they're able to maintain it year in, year out. So I think with Galway, the main thing is that you have you have forwards that any team is not going to like going up against. You've got a lot of really good backs, you know, both young and and experienced developing. And I think, you know, I don't know how many of the, I, I don't know what, they'll, what there'll be much turnover in the panel or whatever this time of year kind of brings where I think is that when they get into this time of year, you start to trim out that panel and you find out who's in and who's out. But <clears throat> I think it, if they can maintain, uh, if they can build on last year, I think they have a great chance of toppling Limerick. Um, but again, that requires the younger players figuring stuff out, the older guys staying healthy, the experienced guys staying healthy, and then at the end of the day, you could lose it. You could lose a game that you deserve to win on a knife edge. You know, like the like the Leicester final, Galway. I thought deserved to win that game. Um, and you can see just what like a, a really crappy piece of luck can just take a, a win away from me on a knife edge. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. Um, I think I think they're going to target Leinster. It would be my guess, like win a Leinster, and that'll build a little momentum, especially for the younger guys. When you you win, you know, a, a title in Crow Park, whatever it is, it 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 builds a little bit of momentum, and um, and then you'll just have to wait and see. Does the stat surprise you? Because I only had Mars on last week, and he was just talking about the Galway hurlers' record in Crow Park. The hurlers have won a little, Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was surprised since, myself about it. Since seventeen, since you played in that All Ireland final. Yeah, because I know like we've had a few weird ones where we drew with yeah, we drew with Kenny and Claire and bet them then in the replays in in Turles. So like yeah, um, it's a little surprising because Crow Park kind of suits suits Galway style of hurling as well. You know, like uh, it was never a place where you were dreading going to play when you were playing for Galway. Even though like even back before fifteen, we didn't have a great record. We were losing Leinster finals to Kenny and I think in fifteen and sixteen and. You know, like it wasn't, but there was never a thing of like, I, uh, first, I don't think that's even in the mind of the players, you know, like that's just a, a stat, like the grass didn't, didn't stop anyone from scoring or the, the, the yeah. width of the stadium or the height of the stands. Like that doesn't really have a lot to play in, in terms of performances. But um, I think that's a big one that fans like to look into, but at the same time, it's still surprising to see, like, I feel as though we've won more games. I don't feel as if like we've lost every game we've gone to go Park, regardless of the stats, but um. I don't think that'll. I think one win will will diffuse that one. Is winning All Ireland a possibility this year for you? For Galway, yeah, of course, I think so. Yeah, uh, they have all the talent to do it. I think the it's just a competitive championship, so you never know how it's going to go. You know, I think with any team, you're a couple of injuries away from not contending, even if you're even if you're Limerick. You know, uh, even though they've kind of shown how resilient that panel is after last year, but. You know, I think Galway have the talent to do it. I think they have the makeup of a team and the style of hurling to do it as well. And they seem to have the management team that's going to be able to, you know, make the right decisions on the day. So I think it's it's I think they're always in they're in that top three or four for me every year. But I I mean I could be extremely biased and 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 just be favoring the, the lads I used to play with. But I think when you have that core of a team there uh with those players, I think they're always going to be in, in contention. Before we do finish, John, a couple of quick fire questions for you. Um, who's the best hurler you've heard with? The best hurler, I. It's probably it's it depends. I think for me, like the most talented hurler is obviously Joe, or maybe a, a yeah. I think Joe's probably the most talented in terms of he could do he could do whatever he wanted, and to to be honest, he's probably up there for the best I've ever played with. I think Dahi Burke probably is criminally underrated and Park Mannion are another two that I would throw in the mix um, just because the performances that they've put in year in, year out are just crazy. And Joe's in that same level, but um, I think probably I'd say Dahi just because being beside him as a cornerback and watching him play fullback the way he did, it's pretty incredible, like the run of form. Did he, he won like three or four all-stars in a row at fullback. Yeah. And it's it's like no one maybe bar like I think JJ Delaney or someone brought it up as like no one seems to be talking about this guy, you know, at all in sort of like that upper upper echelon. So he's probably the the best 
especially from a back, you kind of appreciate the little things that he does extremely well. Um, so I'd probably have to say Dahi, yeah. And your toughest opponent, Charge your career? Toughest opponent? There's a lot of them. There was, I think, uh, Owen Larkin, probably, for me. He's probably one of the smartest hurlers I've ever come up against. Um, he'd be up there with Canning in terms of, like, intelligence on a hurling field, in terms of seeing everything. And he was brilliant at, you know, understanding what a back hates is another good example. Uh, Shane O'Donnell is another one that just, like, knows what a back hates. Like, constant movement, constant sidestepping. And Larkin was a, a totally different player when I played him. He was coming to the end of his career, but he was so intelligent in terms of knowing what even what my role was as a cornerback on that team and taking me out of that position or bringing me over the field, not for his own benefit, but for the two other full forward, uh, two other lads in full forward line with them. Just seeing something like that. And I, I was, well, I was like 23 or 24 marking him. You know, you learn more marking that guy for 70 minutes than you would in a, in a year of training, to be honest. Then finally, your favorite day in the Gold Jersey. Uh, yeah, I'll just go cop out and say say the All Ireland in seventeen. That's probably an easy one. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the easiest one. Yeah, it has to be <laughs> with that. But that's all uh, we do have time for on today's show. Thanks, a million to John for coming on. No problem. Thanks.